So we were in chapter 3 last time, last last week, and a big thing that we talked about, we finished Peter's sermon, and he was trying to connect the dots for those who are there. He said, you were reading your Bible wrong. Remember that? Ignorance, is it bliss? No, ignorance is not bliss. One of the big tactics of the enemy is to keep you in the dark. Don't let them know the truth. Satan knows this, right? And so, or if anything, distort the truth. Help them to think they know the truth like these religious leaders, but they don't know nothing. And so Peter is preaching and he's teaching this and he's calling them out and he's calling them to repentance and he's, call, he's telling them straight. Something you got to love about the apostles, when we keep going through the book of Acts, they don't change the message. They don't alter it. They don't try to make it sound a little bit better, a little bit more seeker friendly. Uh, they don't, they don't beat around the bush or, or sugarcoat it. He just says straight up, you killed the author of life. And he preached that. You're in sin. That's why, like, um, in our reading plan this, this, this day, we went through Genesis 6. And um, I didn't realize this, but Pastor Johnny does these devotionals. And he highlighted the, the, the depravity of man. And that we are all by nature fallen, wretches. You know, and this is the message that these apostles were bringing and teaching and trying to help these crowds who were there to really connect the dots that that's you, that's us. And so that's the message he was bringing. But then he's saying, so Christ, put your faith in him. He's the savior. He rose from the grave. And so they're preaching this. They're teaching this. And this word of Christ is what's becoming vibrant. It's a Christ-centered preaching. It's a Christ-centered teaching. It's a Christ-centered community. Remember in chapter 2, when it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking the bread, the prayer, everything started to center on Christ. And what I, there's two things I hope for us to see as we look through these four verses, is when, when Christ is clearly, completely preached, when the, the preaching is Christ-centered, you can definitely expect resistance and persecution. No doubt. You can expect it. Why? Because we are all by nature fallen liars. We're all prone to false. And if Jesus is the way, the truth, if Jesus is truth, and you, put, you, you allow them to, to rub shoulders, there's going to be friction. If Jesus is truth... That's why when we had the Bible reading plan the other week in Psalm chapter 2, the nations rage against the Lord, right? This message, this gospel, if it's clearly being preached, taught, and lived out, we got to expect persecution. Let me read you a verse. Um, Jesus told them this before he sent them out. John 15, he says, verse 18, if the world hates you, just know it hated me first. See that? If the world's hating you, it, just remember it hated me. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would have loved you as its own. But because you're not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you. Servants not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And if they kept my word, they'd also keep yours. But these things they will do on account of my name because they don't know him who sent me. They're ignorant. They're ignorant. That's why these Jews murdered Christ. But understand this, the world you and I live in hates Jesus. And you just got to see that right off the bat. We're just about to begin to see the persecutions and the resistance of when these apostles are preaching Jesus. Just about to be, we're getting into it. Wait till we get to chapter 7. 6, 7. It gets worse. If you and I are truly sharing Jesus, this Jesus with our family and friends, expect resistance. Expect. Expect to be persecuted. Expect to be cold-shouldered. Expect to be shafted. Expect to be fired. Expect, expect, expect it. John, uh, Jesus says in John, he says, I'm telling you these things so you're not surprised. Peter even writes in one of his letters, this Peter who's going to get persecuted, he wrote in one of his letters, um, did I write it? 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that's upon you, as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice in so far that you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If, they insult, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed, because the spirit of the glory of God rests on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Peter and John aren't getting rubs because they're doing anything wrong. 
They're getting rubs because they're repping Christ. They're preaching it in full. Not cutting corners. They're not compromising the message. And they're joyfully all right with that. This is the same Peter that cowarded when a servant girl came up to him and said, Hey, you know Jesus, huh? Oh, no, I don't know. He denied him three times. This is the coward Peter. He was a coward. I'm a coward in my fallen nature. I'm a coward. Why don't we want to tell people who Jesus really is? Because we're afraid that we're going to get heat. Like these priests, these captains, these Sadducees. Do you really rep the name of Christ, really? A big question that I hope for us to mull over this evening as we go through these four verses is when you share, when we, if we're ministers of the gospel, if we're Christian, if you bear Christ, if we bear Christ, our church, if we're a Christian church, are we truly preaching Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and that he's the way, the truth, and the life? That's a hated message. You can talk about Jesus being cool, Jesus being nice, Jesus being friendly, Jesus being healthy, Jesus helping, helping you get better wealth. But once you say, once you start touching a nerve that would imply you're wrong, you're a sinner, you're a rebel, you need to repent, and he's the only way, once you start bringing those things in, expect resistance. Expect persecution. The gospel is the hated message in this world. But hear this, Christian, it's the only message that saves. That's why they preach it. We're going to see that, but at the same time, I want us to see this, that in spite of the resistance and the persecution, you and I can always expect breakthrough. You can always expect breakthrough with a Christ-centered gospel because you can't stop the word. You can't stop the word of God. Isaiah 55, 11, My word, it goes out from my mouth. It doesn't return empty. It will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. It will succeed. I wonder if the priest, the captain, and the Sadducees thought they were gaining ground when they shut them in the doors. Like, okay, good. We're slowing them down. We're stopping them. I'm reading biographies in church history of brothers and sisters who were burnt at the stake trying to advance this message. And I wonder if the world thought, we got them. Nobody else is going to hear this stuff. Nobody else is going to know. They're all going to remain ignorant. Ha. The Apostle Paul says in Timothy, I'm in chains because of the gospel. But the word of God is not bound. That's why I love verse 4. And I love when we get there and it says, Amidst all this, but those who heard, believed, were saved. If you're getting this, if you're really believing this, if, if Christ is in your heart, expect resistance and persecution in this life. Jesus told us these things. But expect the word of God to always break through. So we're going to see those two things. They're no longer ignorant. The word of God is being preached, but there is this defect in our sinful nature. Not only are we ignorant, no one seeks God, Romans 3, but we are resistant to the truth. We don't like the truth. Just be, just be straight. In your fallen nature, apart from Christ, we just naturally don't like truth. It's why I never like going to the dentist. I don't want to hear how many cavities I have. You know, that's why I didn't like going to the trainers. I don't want to be told I can't play. That's why some of us don't like looking in the mirror. I just don't want to see it. Just, just don't. No, I don't want. We don't like truth. It's why some of us don't heed correction well. You don't like it when you're told straight. This is the nerve that these apostles are getting at with these guys who are present. And it's only by God's grace. If you are in Christ tonight, hear this before we get into the word. If you truly have faith in Christ, it's because by his grace, he overcame your resistance. And he opened your eyes to seeing the beauty of Christ. And he gave you faith to put your trust in him. And so even as we read of the priests and the captain temple, the Sadducees, and as the villains or whatnot in the text, it, it, you know, there's a lot of empathy and compassion because I am that. That's me. We're going to see the resistance. 
but then we're going to see the breakthrough. Let's walk through this slowly together. Verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, note that, that's noteworthy. Picture, paint the picture. These unschooled, common, bradas, fishermen, they are speaking. They are, artic- they're, they're, they're in a position of teaching like this. They're speaking to people, the crowds. That's noteworthy. That's an awkward picture f- if you just think about it. What are these guys doing speaking to the crowds? And then the priest, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees, they came upon them, greatly annoyed because, here we go, they were teaching the people. The priests were greatly annoyed. I want to wonder, what's irking them? The priests were annoyed. Why were they so annoyed with this Christ-centered preaching? Like, what's so, I mean, gosh, they just saw a lame guy get healed. And now this guy's preaching Christ. Like, what's the big deal? Why why are they so resistant? They ought to be rejoicing. The priests were annoyed with Christ-centered preaching because they they had man-centered religion. They were annoyed with Christ-centered preaching because they themselves have a man-centered religion. Let me put in these words. They were irked, these religious leaders, because they were glory hounds. That's their stomping grounds. If Peter and John weren't there teaching, who's teaching? Them. They're intellects. They're the teachers. Matthew 23 describes religious leaders like this. They love to be called rabbi. They did all their righteous stuff before men to be seen. The crowds, that's their, that's their ground. That's their turf. What Before these guys came, think, just rewind to when Jesus was on the earth. This guy from Nazareth coming through. All the crowds are following them. Bro, what's this? They, it's, they, end, they hated Jesus. And on top of that, the message that these guys are bringing, it does two things. It calls, Peter preached in Luke 3, that you killed the author. Like he is calling, their, calling them out on their sin. He's talking to the priests, the scribes, or the, the, the Sadducees. And then it's also giving all glory to God. The priests, the Sadducees, the captain, They are so very prideful, therefore they are so very annoyed with this. Because their religion is all about them. Wait, you're preaching this message, so what are you trying to say? I'm a sinner? Yes, that's what Peter's saying. You killed Jesus. But see, when we are prideful, when we are self-righteous, this gospel is annoying. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, what it does is it flattens all human pride. That's why the Apostle Paul, he used to say, I used to brag in that stuff, but now I consider it what? We studied the Philippians. I count it all as rubbish. I was taunted on before because I thought I was pretty good. I thought I was actually perfect. (laughs) That's where these priests are at. That's why this message is irking them because it's implying that they themselves are sinners. Your pride, my pride, will totally keep you from Christ. It'll make you very annoyed and frustrated with this book. You know, these religious leaders, you know what? They love to preach rules. And they preach the rules so much, and then they tried to keep the rules and keep the score. And then they would even pray prayers like how Luke records. And I think it's Luke 18, the the parable of the the Pharisee and the publican and the tax collector. He's like, man, Lord, I just thank you that I'm not like this guy. I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. So they, so far, they're building this man-centered religiosity, and they're so big-headed. They're so swollen with conceit. And then these apostles, these uneducated common men, come through and start preaching a message that all that is rubbish. You're a sinner. You need to repent too. You need to repent foremost. You killed him. Wouldn't that hit a nerve? He's hitting their nerves right now. And it's messing with their pride. But before we're so quick to just look at these people and judge them and be so frustrated with them, I plead with you tonight, if you're hearing this, is your religion man-centered? Really, think. Think now. Like, where do you find your confidence? Like, like what makes you, like, what is your confidence tonight? 
These priests, their confidence was in their, their performance. I've tied this much. I've gone to church this much. I haven't swore this much. I never, I never get, I never get um, the kind boss and high in a long time. I must be pretty good. You, you think that kind of stuff will get you into right standing with God? No. No. I love this gospel. They were greatly annoyed with Christ-centered preaching because they had man-centered religion. Christ-centered preaching, it does this. It calls you out on your sin. It tells you straight. It shoots it straight. Some of us are in sin this evening. And the gospel needs to tell you straight, rebel, sinner, you have a problem. And you can't fix it. But God sent his one and only son. And he lived perfectly. And God is pleased with him in full. And he gave his life on the tree. He gave this amazing exchange for you. And all he, he offers his righteousness now as a gift. Because you're not good enough. You never could be good enough. My son's good enough. You place your faith in him. And you're good. I'm not angry with you anymore. I'm not wrathful at you anymore. To conjure up another kind of righteousness, that's very exhausting. It's called religion. You're going to spend the rest of your life trying to be good enough? The apostles are saying, no. Repent of that sin and place your faith in Christ. So some in the crowds were cut to the quick, like in chapter 2, and then others in the crowd who were just so prideful so like, no, 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 don't, don't tell me. I'm not that bad. I'm not that bad. I mean, you should have seen what Brado was doing last week. I, was, I never did that. If that's your attitude, if that's your heart right now, you're not going to receive Christ. You're still going to try to get right with God on your own ability. That's the nerve that Peter's poking at with these priests. And they're greatly annoyed. The gospel not only calls people out in their sin and calls them to repentance, but you know what the gospel does? It gives all glory to Christ. I got a question for you, Christian. If I told you that your whole life existence now is all, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, it's all for the glory of God. Does that bother you? Amen. That means you're Christian. But if we're, maybe perhaps some of us, that bothers us. Because we want a little bit of the glory. You know, like, I want to taste the glory. You know? like just, we want that. We're glory hounds. We want some credit. But the priests, they're getting irritated. Because this, this, this uneducated fisherman is telling me that I'm a sinner and that I need to place my faith in Christ. And then he's telling me that it's, it's all glory to him. It's all about him. I got another question for you. Maybe put it in these terms. What if I told you your life's not all about you? I want us to think of the, the, the messages of the age right now. The spirit of the age. You do you. It's all about you. You can. You don't need nobody. You're self-sufficient. That's what the world's trying to teach us. So, of course, if we preach this gospel, it's going to be hated. This is a hated message, but it's the only message that saves. Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so the priests are greatly annoyed because of their man-centered religion. The Sadducees, let's look at that verse 2. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching. So they were teaching people. So, yeah, they're being called out. They're losing their crowd. Like, this is their pride. This is their everything. But then look at this. It says they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them. They put them in custody until the next day for his evening. So understand this about the Sadducees. They were greatly grieved because they're preaching resurrection. And I just, you're just straight up. No resurrection, no gospel. This, if you're a minister of the gospel tonight, if you're a Christian and you have family members, you have friends, you have coworkers that you are concerned for their soul and you have been burning with a desire to share Jesus with them, take notes here tonight. See what the apostles preach. They preach, one, you and I are sinners. We're under the wrath of God. 
the God who made us, will call you into account one day. They don't, they don't, they don't um, not talk about that. But then they also preach Christ's death and his resurrection. That is vital. That is vital. We're going to turn here. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Just a few books over. A couple books over. Go over. We're talking about what irked the Sadducees now. The Sadducees did not like this teaching because it taught what they did not believe. They don't believe in angels. They don't believe in resurrection. I heard a pastor say, the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't have a future hope. They don't believe in after. They don't believe that there's resurrection. It's sad. That's sad, you see. So you, they believe this life is it. And once you're done, you're done. So you live for this life. So what they did was they preached rules. They didn't preach resurrection. But if you're Christian, if we're Christian, we're supernaturalists. There's something within the soul that knows it's not, there's got to be more to this life. Don't tell me that I'm just meant to come, live, go through life, party, get a wife, get kids, and, and just cruise and then die. Suffer cruise because this life is hard, yes? And that, that's it. That's it. Ecclesiastes says that he put eternity in the hearts of men. You can deny it all you want, but you know that there is life after this. You're created with a soul. You have a spirit. That's why some of us, we think of death. It troubles us. It's why I spend many of my hours a day at a cemetery, not to be morbid, but to keep the reality real. This life is short. I'm going to do everything I can to invest in the next life. So here we go. Resurrection. I'm going to read 20 verses. You ready? Verse 1. Paul's writing this. I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel right there. I preach to you which you received in which you stand by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So if you don't really believe this, you won't hold fast to the end. That's perseverance of the saints. Verse 3. For I delivered to you. Now hear this. Of what? First what? This is super important. You want to minister the gospel to your friends, your coworkers, your families? This is first importance. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's, that's first importance. Christ died for our sins. And I like that he puts it in accordance with the scriptures. The, the Old Testament. He's connecting the dots. It's biblical theology right there. He's interpreting scripture with scripture. That was buried Jesus died. He actually died. He was actually buried three days in the tomb. And he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The whole Old Testament pointed to this moment. He appeared to Kephas, as Peter. Then to the twelve. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at the time. Most of whom are still alive. Some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. For I am least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. I wonder if Paul or Saul was there when this, Acts chapter 4 was happening, and he was, I wonder if he's rooting the priests on. Like, yeah, lock him up. That's this guy. Because later when we get down the chapters, chapter 6 and 7, they're going to martyr the first Christian. They're going to kill him, stone him to death. Local people are not this kind. They're throwing rocks. Get stoned to death. Okay, just, just want to clarify that, because when I first read that, I was kind of like, you know, <laughs> oh, stoned to death. It happens, you know, and, but no, stoned to death. But then I wonder because Paul, Saul was there and he was, yes, let's murder these Christians. Let's stop them. That's this guy who's writing this. And then he says this. Where are we? Verse 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God within me. Whether then it was I or they, we preach, you believe. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection? If there's no resurrection, 
then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching's in vain. And so is your faith. If there's no resurrection, this is for nothing. Pack up, go home. Don't go to church. Don't be a Christian. If Jesus didn't really come back to life, I'm not going to give my life for, for that. If he was just a good guy, he said good morals, he was just a good teacher. No, he came back to life. That's our faith, guys. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. If the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, oh, I read that your faith is futile. Hear this. If Jesus has not been raised, your faith is futile or foolish or empty, and you are still in your sins. That's why when we baptized Gabe, we didn't keep him under the water. We didn't say, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dead. Oh. Amen. Glory to God. No, that's not baptism. You put him under, and you bring him out, and the whole church applauds, and we celebrate. Why? Because he's risen. He's really alive. That's why I love Sunday. Why? Because Sunday is the Lord's Day. It's a day that reminds us that he rose. That's why we worship on the first day of the week. It's the day he rose from the grave. It's not just an Easter thing. Are you hearing this? Are you reading this? Are you really re reading this? The Jesus that I'm searching in the scriptures for and wanting to know is alive. He's a risen Savior. This is not fiction or make-believe. That's why they're willing to be persecuted for this faith. In 2015, 21 Egyptians, right? We saw that blow up on YouTube. Get their heads sawed off for this faith. Why? Because when we die, we don't die. Because if in Christ, when he rose, you raise. Don't take out the resurrection when you preach the gospel no resurrection, no gospel. Verse 18, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be most pitied. If Jesus has not been raised, shame on us. You ought to pity me. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. That's a fact. He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And that fact is worthy of singing. It's worthy of praising. It's worthy of giving yourself to studying the book that he wrote. The author of the Bible is alive. So when I get into the scriptures and I have my morning readings, I'm so jazzed. Because I'm, I'm interacting with a real living person. The word of God, is, is it not living and active? Amen. It's a living book. I love this stuff. I love Christ. Only hope for life and death is this, that, I that we belong to Christ. He is everything. The resurrection is of first importance. You want some practical advice into how to muster through this life if you're struggling right now and you're just having a hard time. You're just in so much turmoil in your mind. You just wake up feeling ugh. And you just, sometimes you have moments of the day where you're paralyzed or depressed or whatever. You're just feeling ugh. You have faith in Christ. Do this. Just remember he lives. Just think about that. Think about heaven. Think about the future hope you and I have Read the rest of 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection, the resurrected body. There's just so much bliss when you get your head off of this life and fix it on the next. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Not on what is seen. All this seen stuff is temporary. You fix your eyes on what's unseen, what's eternal. Christ, he's alive. Beg God for faith because these Sadducees didn't have that. Oh, man, if these priests only knew, if they only humbled themselves and laid down their pride and stopped living for the crowd, guys, we're not far from them. Don't act like you don't struggle with that, living for this life. 
I'm sure if the priests were alive today, their social medias would be off the chain. Just, just wanting everyone to just, just glory hounds. It's all about me. If they only repented and realized that they've sinned against a righteous and holy God and placed their faith in Christ, if these Sadducees would only believe that the resurrection is true, that Jesus, in fact, did come back to life, he is the resurrection of the life, and placed their hope in him, gosh, they would have known that this, this Jesus, this Lord is an amazing Lord. Psalm 34, oh, taste and see, this Lord is good. Jesus is so good. If he's this good now and I can't see him, I can't physically see Christ just yet, but the Spirit of God in me, if he's this good now, now, can you imagine when this life is over and we're finally with him? Get your head out of this world. Set it, fix your eyes on things above where Christ is. That's Colossians 3. Set your affections on things above. The Sadducees were annoyed because they preached that. They were all about this life. Verse 4, let's finish this. Oh, yes. I love verse 4. But. That's a but, man. I love but. But in the Bible is one of the best words. The way just in his death, but. You know? The priest, the, the captain, the Sadducees were trying to throw him in jail and opposing them. But, I love but. Verse 4, but. Many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. Hear this. So they tried to stop the messengers, yeah? They couldn't stop the message. Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. All through church history, decade to decade, from this to now, century to century, the forces of this world are trying to resist, persecute, stop this gospel from advance, from getting out to the people. I just read um, recently, what's his name? Ah, oh, I'm not going to say it. Ah, oh, I forgot it already. One of the heroes of the Reformation. He put the French Bible in writing. Anyway. Well, him, the, we have men that gave their lives to see that this message keeps going. And they could try and stop. They could get burnt at the stake, but you can't stop the message that they were preaching. I love that about the Bible. What I'm, what I, what I hope, when we finish on this verse, what I hope and pray that the Spirit of God does in you right now is emboldens, is gives you a boldness and an unashamedness and a fire for this gospel, this book, so much so. Because you know with confidence, you can't stop the word of God. It can't be stopped. And I'm going to show you. Let's look at some verses. Go to Romans chapter 10. We're going to do two verses, I mean, two portions of scripture and we'll finish. Romans chapter 10, and then we're going to go to 2 Timothy. They tried to stop the messengers, but they couldn't stop the message. But I want us to understand this. Go to Romans chapter 10. We're going to pick it up at verse... We'll go. Hmm. Oh, probably read the whole thing. Um, okay, let's start in verse one. <laughs> so, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they be saved. So, Paul is like, I, I want people to be saved. Verse two, I bear witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, meaning they're ignorant. Remember, we talked about in chapter three, they're ignorant. Like these Jews, they're passionate for God, but they just don't. They don't read the. They're not reading the Bible right. Now, look, it says being ignorant. Of the righteousness of God, they seek to establish their own. You see that? They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. So that's where Paul's coming from. He wants people to be saved. But people even have passion for God. But they just, they're ignorant. They, they don't know how all this connects to Christ. Verse 5, Moses writes about the righteousness that's based on the law. The person who does not com commands shall live by them. And so he, okay, so we're going to, he, 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 Look at the pericope. This is the message of salvation to all. And I want us to pick it up at verse 13 because this is what's happening in Acts chapter 4. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? So they can't 
be saved if they're ignorant of who Jesus is? How are they to believe in him whom they've never what? Heard. How are they to hear without someone what? What was Peter and the boys doing? They were preaching. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet. I've been praying for all of our feet recently. How beautiful are the feet of those who what? Preach the good news. What is the good news? The gospel of Jesus Christ. What is that? That, you're, that God, your holy God, made you. You're going to give an account, but you're wrong. You rebelled. You're in trouble with this holy God. But God so loved the world, he gave his son. He's the righteous one. He died for your sins. Place your faith in him. He didn't only die. He what? He rose. Is that your faith? That's what they're preaching. That's what saves. But look at what, it, and then he says this. They have not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what, has, what he has heard from us? Look at this. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? The word of Christ. This is why churches need to keep preaching the gospel. They can't compromise this. If you, if you grow in this life and you live here or there, you move your family here and there, you're looking for a church, you're looking for one thing. Are they preaching the gospel? Because if they're not preaching Christ, this Christ, this Jesus, then people aren't really getting saved. That's not really church. So what do we make of all this as we're reading from verse 1 to 4? That okay, that if we keep preaching this gospel, there's going to be persecution in this. But what? The word can't be stopped. So what do we do with that? We keep preaching the word. And you don't compromise it. You don't change it. You don't twist it. Why? Because faith comes from hearing. Imagine this. In chapter 3, when Peter was going from 12 to 26, and he was spitting it, and he was preaching, and he was helping them see this is what's happening. Can you imagine in the crowd, in the thousands, people were just hearing this. The priests were getting all annoyed and fussy. But there was a kid, there was a mom, there was a, there was a poor guy, there was a, there, was a, there was a family. They were hearing Peter go, and something was happening. They were like, I'm hearing you, man. That's me. And then they repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were hearing it, and God was by grace giving them faith to believe, and they were being saved. That might be happening right now. I pray that one day that happens for us, my son, Blue. That by God's grace, this church keeps giving the gospel the way we talk about the gospel. We preach the gospel. We sing the gospel. We live the gospel. Everything is about this Christ. And that you never know. John 3 says the Spirit's like the wind. You never know when it's going to hit home, guys. You never know. And I'm pleading for the day when our children in this church, it just boom. The lights go on. For you, it just boom. Regardless of how long you've been in church or not, these priests, these Sadducees, this was their life. They were at the temple all the time. They hated this message. They resisted it. But some, many, heard it and believed. Crowds weren't coming to faith. Because the apostles had big, nice buildings with AC and cushioned chairs. And they had super awesome musical bands. And they were super funny and, and, and charismatic in their communication skills. That's not why people were coming to faith and getting saved. They're preaching Christ crucified, risen. That's it. That's it. From jail cells and anywhere. That's it. That's all we need. This is all a blessing and a gift. What do we do with this then? Go to Timothy. We're going to finish here. And I hope and pray that by this time, God, if you have Christ in you and you have yet to share the gospel, I pray that there's this fire, this boldness that is being awakened in you because you know that it is the power of the gospel. It's a salvation for those who believe. Romans 1.16. This is the same Peter who was once shamed, now he knows shame. Oh, sorry. Go to 2 Timothy. We're going to finish here. 
2 Timothy, it's kind of, kind of, we're going to survey read because we're going to go 2 Timothy chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, okay? We're not going to read it all. We're just going to survey read, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2, 3, 4. We're talking about, therefore, even though we're going to meet resistance in this life with this hate message of the gospel, this, this message that's hated, it is the only message that saves. So what do we keep doing? We keep giving that message. That's it. That's it. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul writing to Timothy, who's going to be a pastor of a church, he says this, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men, that's the gospel, will be able to teach others also. Sharing the suffering, I like this, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, if you're going to bring the gospel, you're going to preach the gospel, shift your mindset, you're a soldier. There's going to be resistance. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who's enlisted. I wonder how much of us are just distracted in this life that we don't even think about preaching the gospel to people. And if we preach the gospel, we don't preach it in full. Not the way these boys are preaching it. Why? Because we're cowards. We don't want our friends to not like us anymore. We don't want to not get called back or invited to that party. I don't know what it is. Verse 5, you're like an athlete. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You're going to take the gospel, shift your mindset. You're a soldier. You're a competitive athlete. It's hard. It's like a hardworking farmer. Gabe and Christian understand this better than us, right? Farmer boys. Paniolos. <laughs> according to the you know, um, hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think, like, th think about these things. Look at verse 7. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you insight to everything. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, <laughs> remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. And, and Paul says this, this is which, which I'm suffering. I'm bound in chains. Why? Because he's preaching the gospel. Remember what we said in the beginning? Expect the resistance. Expect it. Expect it. Expect it. Paul expected it. Peter expected it. It wasn't a shock to them. Paul's like, that's why I'm in chains. But then what does he say? But the word of God is not, come on, that's so good. I love that. The word of God is not bound. Chapter 3, verse 1, understand this. In the last days, there's going to be times of difficulty. People are going to love themselves, love money. They're proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient. Sound like our time? Uh, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. No self-control, brutal. They don't love good. They're treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They, 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 they just give themselves to their own Facebook, not the book, not the face of God, having the appearance of godliness, deny its power, avoid such people. Among them, those who creep into households, capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. He gives an example of such men. Then he says this, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. He's saying in chapter three, times is hard. People are messed up. People don't love God. There's resistance to this gospel. So Timmy, this is what you do. Chapter four, verse one, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's the judge of the living and the dead, by his appearing, his kingdom. What do you do, Timmy? You preach the word. And you be ready. In season, out of season. 2020, 2021. You be ready. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, complete patience and teaching. Because check it, Timmy. There's a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Itching ears. They're going to accumulate teachers to suit their own passions. They don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want to hear the whole gospel. They're getting annoyed with that. Enough with the sound doctrine, Timmy. Tell us something that we want to hear. Just tell me God loves me. He loves me for me. Just tell me that he's kind, that he's forgiving. But don't tell me I killed the author of life. Don't tell me that I'm a sinner. Don't tell me that what I'm doing in secret is actually making me at odds with Christ. Don't put me in the light. Don't tell me that. But Paul says to Timothy, and God says to us, children of God, Christian tonight, 
You preach the gospel. You preach Christ crucified and risen. And you don't change that. No matter how hard the heat comes, whatever resistance or persecution comes, you do not compromise that message. Because when you die, you live. It's our future hope. You preach the word. I'm already thinking and praying for the young men and women who come up after us after our time is gone. Just praying for them in this place. Lord, please, don't let them compromise the gospel. There's nothing else to preach. You got no resurrection, then there's no gospel. You can't stop the word. It's worthy of giving ourselves to. Shift your mindset now as you think, as you pray. If you're a Christian, if God has really saved you, you're a soldier now. You fight the good fight of faith. You are a competitive athlete that's training hard now. You are a hardworking farmer. You know it's coming. The harvest is coming. You keep sowing, man. We are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can chain us. They can burn us. They can shaft us. Come what may. We have this treasure in a jar. His gospel is unbound, his word. Some encouragement for us and we'll pray and we'll be out. Keep, and I'm so encouraged by what God is doing in our midst. Keep Keep hungering and thirsting for true right, understanding righteousness. Let grow in your Bible study. We have a Bible reading plan with the church. You know what would be good is talk about the Bible reading plan together and help each other make sense of it. Help each other connect the dots to Christ. Let's not read this wrong. Don't make the Bible reading plan. The goal is I, I did the Bible reading plan. That's what the priests and the Pharisees did. Don't make that your Bible reading plan. Let's read through the, the Bible together, but let's grow in our biblical theology. And let's worship this Jesus. Practice sharing the gospel with each other. Just practice it. For those of you in small groups, I know some of you have prayer groups and things like that, or even car rides. You know, you show up at your next small group, you say, can someone here just share the gospel? Just go one minute, just share it. Just to keep edifying and encouraging each other and reminding ourselves, this is what it's about. We're given a great commission, guys. Go into all, you know, go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them these things. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. Lord, help us as a church family. Help us as brothers and sisters. Help us get this. I'll finish with this. I really enjoy this quote, you know, and, and Spurgeon wrote it in a book, and then he quoted it in a couple sermons. But he said, you know, the word of God it is like a lion. You don't need to defend it. You just cut it loose. The gospel of Jesus Christ is like a lion. Just let it out of the cage. I think some of us have not. Maybe perhaps, one, we, maybe we don't really believe it. Two, maybe we're just we're struggling with cowardice. I don't know. Maybe we are more the priest mindset, the Sadducee mindset. I don't know. We're just thinking more of this life. It's about rules. We've forgotten, lost sight of the resurrection. But tonight's the night. You repent. You believe. Ask the Lord of heaven and earth to set our hearts on fire. Think right now of perhaps, you know, someone in your family coworker, someone, it's just, you know, the spirit of God has just been putting on you, man, just, you've been meaning to, you've been wanting to share Christ with them. Well, and, and, and as we get into the end of chapter four, it's going to, it's cool because they're going to pray for the boldness to keep sharing this message. That's what we're going to pray right now as we close. If, if, if you have yet to place your faith in Christ, I'm serious. If you're, un, if you're unsure and this is confusing, 
but you're hearing it, but you still feel ignorant or in the dark about your salvation. I will sit here with you till the morning, if that's what it takes, and we will read verse after verse after verse till the Holy Spirit opens your eyes. This is serious. Every day is a gift. We don't know if we have tomorrow. Let's pray. Lord of heaven and earth, We don't want to play church. We don't want to think that we are righteous or think that we are saved and we're not. Like these priests and these Sadducees. We don't want to be stuck in our pride and just unwilling to repent and acknowledge our wrong before you. If we are in sin tonight, if we are resisting the truth, have mercy on us, O oh God. If you have cut us to the quick, give us grace and faith to repent and to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Help us to worship King Jesus for raising from the grave and conquering sin and death and being victorious. We want you as our Lord and Savior. We believe this message is true. Don't let us compromise it and change it or leave anything out of it. We pray that you would now fan into flame and raise up in this place, in our church, in this room, in our hearts that live for the glory of God, that will give ourselves for you and want to bring this message to the world. Help us now make more sense of this. Ground us in this, we pray. Give us the boldness that these apostles had. And help us to know this, that the message, they can chain us, they can try to stop us, but they can't stop the gospel. They can't stop the word of God. The word of God is unbound. So let us now send forth your word. Just send it. Give us this grace, we pray. Give us this faithfulness. We love you. Keep us abiding in this love. Be with us now for the rest of our fellowship this evening. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.